There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Corn's People, the Huffington Post politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Paul War, and Graham Dominic. Almost there, people. Almost there. June 23rd, tomorrow, or today, it's on June 23rd, referendum polling day. It's been a long slog. It culminated this week with the big debate at Wembley Arena, and here are some of the best bits. Our entire trade negotiating policy is consecrated, is handed over to the EU Commission, where only 3.6% of the officials actually come from our country. And it is no wonder that they have not been, as, as Andrea rightly says, they have not been able to do essential free trade deals with China, with India, with all the great economies of the world, including America, including Boris. America, including to the Boris. extent, to the just, point where just, we cannot... Just one uh, question. One Ruth, question. One, one, one question, one point please. To you, Ruth. One question. We cannot, but we cannot, because the EU is in charge of our trade negotiations, we Boris, cannot can you export name me a single haggis. But, but, uh, we what? cannot export haggis Come to on. America. And the problem is this, Boris. The problem is this. You might start off with parachutes saying how wonderful immigration is, but your campaign hasn't been Project Fair. It's been Project Hate as far as immigration is concerned. Now, I was in the spin room for this, the BBC gladly, uh, luckily provided, but they actually turned down the sound for the first five minutes and the last five minutes of the show. And I understand that Boris gave a fantastically inspirational speech at the end, which led to a standing ovation. Paul, what did I miss from Boris? Did he turn out to be the winner of this, uh, Are this you whole serious? debate? They turned the volume down yeah. for the final bit. Yeah, it was ridiculous. No wonder you were moaning on Twitter. Oh. I wondered why, you know, I said you wouldn't like him when he's angry. And it wasn't up at the start either. It wasn't up at the start. Wow. So it all starts. You can see Dimbleby there chatting away and we're like, what's he saying? Right. You could be saying anything. Well, you didn't miss much with Dimbleby. But yeah, at the end, the killer line, Boris delivered, and Farage has done this before, and you, you've, you've heard this line, we've heard this line, but it's the first time a national audience has heard it, which is, let's make Thursday Independence Day. That got everyone on their feet, not just in that hall, I suspect, but people watching at home who kind of need a reason to go out and feel good about voting for Brexit. And I thought that's why it mattered. It, it, it turned Brexit into a non-negative, into a more of a positive um, and thought that was quite impressive by Boris. I mean, after the events of the past week, let's talk first of all about the poster that Nigel Farage unveiled, which was a picture of migrants, refugees, if you wish to describe them, in countryside in Europe with the slogan Breaking Point. Now, even before the the death of Joe Cox, this poster was getting criticism, wasn't it, Graham? People were saying, this is this is too far, this is borderline Nazi propaganda it was being likened to. Did that poison the well of the Brexit campaign? Um, well, well, I think it was it was that that example of kind of shock and awful again, wasn't it? That that UKIP have been kind of no, notorious for, which is kind of at odds with the vote leave um, the official campaigns kind of take on the world, which is a slightly more kind of reasonable, uh, understated take on, well, n- not always, but, but certainly by comparison to that. And yeah, it was instantly kind of, it didn't take long for people to, on particularly on social media, to draw comparisons with, you know, Nazi, Nazi kind of 
propaganda. And I think even even somebody like um, ex Smiths guitarist Johnny Marr was putting together a comparison between that poster and the the, the 1930s original. Should we say it's been shared 30,000 times? So so that so that was already in the ether. That was already being kind of pushed around as saying this is this is a dreadful thing. So this slightly kind of retrospective analysis that, that Farrar seems to be putting on it now that hmm. nobody was nobody was outraged before b- b- before the event I think that's I think that's just plain wrong isn't the, it the one person who really was outraged before Joe's death was Brendan Cox he tweeted about that poster her husband of course yeah her husband before he knew of her death so there you are in a nutshell that you know <laughs> it's not a retrospective event um and I thought last night what was interesting was, and the night before, is that we haven't yet heard, despite what Diane James said, we haven't heard a proper apology from Farage for that poster. Well, I was at a a meeting with him today, a a speech he gave today, and he was directly asked, you know, Dan James said, you apologise for this, your colleague, do you apologise? And he basically said no. He said, I apologise for the timing of it, but he doesn't apologise for the sentiment of it, and that's what people want the apology for, but he is absolutely standing by that. Now, UKIP stepped to Paul Nuttall last night, said that he wouldn't have gone ahead with this poster. He said he, he wouldn't have done it. I spoke to other people in and around UKIP who said that they wouldn't have, because it was one of six posters they were going to unveil. And he and people that I was talking to said they wouldn't have done it as the first poster in this series. So, but they still would have gone ahead with it. Well, the thing is, though, that there's a series of UKIP posters, which, you know, it's UKIP. They're brash. That's the whole point of them. You know, they're not the establishment, and that's part of their charm, don't forget. Particularly for these Labour voters in northern seats, you know, they're not the establishment. And they're saying the unsayable. You know, that's the appeal. That's the Trump-style appeal. But what I thought was interesting about the other posters was there was a poster yesterday released which showed lots of cars on a school run. The, the You know, the school overrun was the catch line, and a little lo- lo- lollipop lady in amongst them uh, looking like she was you know going to get run over um again the, the there's a sort of sense of brashness of that really um which hasn't really been tackled by the remain camp no one in the remain camp has taken down properly any of these claims about migration no one has taken down the idea for example is the school run overrun because of migrants or is it that there are you know, this lack of places at primary school level simply because of a, a bump in the population, a, a demographic bump, which is part of the indigenous population? You know, um, and in London in particular, um, there was a lack of planning for those school places. I know it's certainly from my own experience with my own kids' primary school, you know, every, every one of their year has had to have an extra class built. But how many of their extra classes are going to migrants? I can tell you about two in 30 are Polish. Um, in those kids' schools, so it's not all coming from immigrants at all. And but no one in Remain has taken that down. Is there a reason for that? In as much as are they just kind of letting the kind of UKIP element of the Leave campaign just kind of hang, hang themselves by their by their own rope? And as much as you know, we've got a kind of a, a tranche of people who are who who are undecided, who will probably in the end decide this vote, and 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 are probably well, let's say not probably, let, let, let's assume, or they may well be put off by by the slightly more kind of outrageous, um, brash, um, I- I- extreme kind of language of you can say, actually, if this is a taste of what's to come, I'm actually going to stick with what will come. And maybe that's part of the, the rationale of not taking it down. And maybe I'm being far too far too generous there. But that, that's perhaps an aspect, isn't it, of, 
Of... Maybe it is, but there's also, I've been surprised. I mean, last night, what was it striking was that Sadiq Khan took it on. He took that argument head on. Project hate is what he called it. Mm. Um, and, you know, Ruth Davidson, too, was really aggressive in trying to take down what she called the lies. And But that that's the first time, really, that we've seen a genuine sort of passion and anger from the Remainers. And on things like um, the impact of immigration, and we've talked about this before, Owen, it's not so much immigration people fear, it's fear of immigration yeah. that people feel. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to necessarily have these Eastern Europeans in your local school or in your local hospital or, or, or queuing for housing in your area for you to be scared that somehow there will be coming at some point and that is where the question of brashness and responsible politics actually comes in a responsible politician no matter how hard or how passionately you think about migration david cameron showed this in the last election has a responsibility to play it correctly the tone and get it right farage doesn't care about that no i mean one of the and on that thing about the fear of immigration versus reality of it so the area of london that i live in which is my limb which is in tower hamlets is often cited by people as an example of where British whites are in the minority. And I'm British white, so I'm in the minority there, in sort of demographic. And it's held up as this example of how Britain's been taken over. But I feel perfectly safe and perfectly comfortable walking around, getting on buses, eating in cafes, all that stuff with people who are not the same ethnicity and, and demographic of me. People who live there don't feel that, but there is a perception of people who, who often point to where I live, and it really frustrates me and say, oh, look how terrible it is there. I mean, just, just quickly on the remain, do we not think as well one of the reasons why they're struggling to talk about the school places, for example, is you've got a coalition of Tory and Labour and Lib Dem and lots of other people who've got very different solutions to that, to how to solve that. And they don't want to start getting... If they start getting into that, well, you didn't build enough schools, well, you didn't build enough hospitals, then that coalition falls apart. Yeah, that is true. I mean, we saw an element of that last night with Frances O'Grady. You know, she really went for the government saying, you know, this is all their fault, you know, particularly the NHS. And also blame the bankers. Got you know, it's and the bankers. that getting a, getting a yeah. re-hit. Re- blame the bankers. One of the greatest hits. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. The old tune came back. But, I, you know, and you're right, there is a, a danger that you, you splinter off and sort of split the, the common message. But I, I still feel that at some point they hadn't taken down a lot of the leave messages because those leave messages, believe me, are being heard and they're getting cut through, particularly about Turkey, particularly about the 350 million a week outside London amongst a lot of Labour voters and, quotes normal people. Those messages have been played and replayed and played again. Is this, is, do we think this is where it's going to be going to won a loss then on the, on the immigration debate in as much as this is... This, you know, the first five, ten minutes here, that's all we've kind of talked about. This feels like this is where Cameron's making his, you know, he's, he's making noises this morning about kind of maybe we can do more with, with his deal in terms of further talks on, on, on immigration controls. Late, it? It, it, it is all too late, but that seems to be where the kind of the ground is and where they're desperate to kind of, kind of recover. And, 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 and anyone who watched the debate last night would have noticed the, the leave message of, of the simple message of vote leave, take take control was, it was great wasn't was, it was, I mean, was, was, just, was so effective compared to to Romain's message of you know I, 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 I couldn't tell you about what, what, what exactly what the clear Romain message is it's, it's lots of yeah, safer, stronger in, and all that nonsense. But you're right that um, it's it's a clear message about take control, and boy, would they show some message discipline. But the thing I think is really clever about it is not just the discipline, it's the actual message itself. Because for a long time, people have been, quotes, banging on about Europe, Tory backbenchers, UKIPers, are seen as sort of a fringe group because... 
They're obsessed about Europe and European Union rules. The genius of take control is it's, it's supposed to be about taking dem democratic control from Brussels, but actually it's all about taking control of our borders. And that's why it's really clever, in my opinion, for them to have used it. They can use it as a facade to say it's about taking democratic control, but what they really mean is it's about taking control of our borders. And that is the most powerful message of all. And it's unanswerable when it comes to freedom of movement because it's a very complicated case to say we allow freedom of movement both ways because we all get better out of it and you know it just helps the economy and it helps jobs and no one loses. That's a very difficult message to sell. Uh, just finally on that, Looking at the debate last night, did we see the future of British politics on that stage? Uh, Ruth Davison and Sadiq Khan, because Sadiq Khan, you know, has got the highest mandate of any politician in Europe. Um, Ruth Davison, who I thought had an absolutely barnstorming uh, performance, and when she started talking about how she'd been in the Balkans and how she had worn the uniform of the army and all that kind of stuff, worn the great, you know, the, the um, Union Jack on her uniform. I thought that was fantastic. I, I thought it was just a great piece of theatre. I thought she played it fantastically well. So we're looking at the next, or a future Tory and Labour leaders. Graham? She f it felt like, for me, you know, when you, when you really like a band and nobody oh, yeah. else likes... Heaven and, you, th and you, you think you're the only person in the world who likes that band and thinks they're great, and then all of a sudden they go mainstream. That was a bit like Ruth Davidson last night. Oh, for what are you talking for kind about? Of, for kind of politicos like that, <laughs> like us who've taken yeah, interest. Right. I've never heard you in, mention Ruth Davidson's name in, before. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Ever. Taken Such a hipster. Oh, yeah, I well, know, I, I, I knew Ruth Davidson before she was famous. I don't really like her. You should have heard her speech in 2012. <laughs> really brilliant. I think she's sold out a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too broad for me. Playing a big venue. But I thought there was a bit of that. There was a bit of kind of, there was all the kind of, uh, know it all was like us on Twitter last night going yeah I told you she was brilliant yeah, like Jane Merrick was, was retweeting tweets she'd done from three years ago when there she praised her and, and, it, and, it, and it did feel on. like she was moving from, from smaller clubs like the King Tut to, <laughs> yeah, to Main Tut's Road <laughs> and other references from the mid 90s yeah. specifically to Oasis <laughs> career yeah, there yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. thing is I think you're right that we saw the future of politics and it f Boris felt like a real analogue politician in a digital age though he really Ooh. did to quote someone else I mean, he really did. You know, even that phrase now is hackneyed. And it, it felt as though Boris was the old guard. A lot of them were the old guard. And you had Sadiq and you had Ruth as being the young thrusters. Um, and it's true, you know, Boris is, you know, 52. Um, you know, I was surprised, actually... That the that the Leave campaign didn't have a young person, a younger person on on stage. I thought Remain did really well to freshen up their lineup and have three voices. We hadn't really heard yeah, a lot. Yeah, it, of it was Roy Hodgson, but it worked. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you got to, yeah. I mean, they were world class players. Whereas, whereas <laughs> Leave or what? Leave are just like Germany, just relentless. Yeah, although you know, well, well, this will go out tonight and Thursday. So I think the the thing we should talk about actually is is maybe the way that. Last night and on Thursday, this will seem two days ago, um, matters as part of a whole package of a campaign for all the campaigns. And I've written a piece today about the ground war uh, being fought out, that's been fought out for months, as well as this air war, the way Facebook uh, is being targeted, the way the whole of the Remain campaign has, has learned from the Tory election campaign, all the messages where Tories just trounced Labour in 2015 have all been taken on board by both the Vote Leave and the Remain campaigns. So they're targeting their adverts at the people who they really should be targeting. They're not wasting resources. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that affects the result. It might just come down to whose door was knocked on at the right time, in which street, 
um, by which campaign. And, you know, we can talk and we do talk endlessly about the politics of all this, but the raw real battle is when it comes to the ground war and it's not high fluting it's about nuts and bolts getting people on the ground to literally get out there to you know to walk those 50 yards to a polling station and we'll see whether that's had an impact uh, one of the things that's going to be key uh, the referendum is of course turnout which leads me nicely onto uh, graham's stat of the week oh yeah <laughs> You thought I got away with that, didn't you? This is a short start of the week. I've been really there busy no, today. There are no, there are no jokes in here. It appears not. There are no, no, no words. words. Hunters. There's start of the week. The turnout in the 1975 referendum was 64.62 percent. Simple but effective. That stat. 64.62. And what we expecting this time? Well, we expect to be higher than that, don't we? It was 66 percent the general election. Uh, I think it's going to be. I mean, well, it was in the eighties of Scottish independence, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll be People surprised if it's it'll that be, high. It will be. It will be at least the general election turnout. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, I mean, Remainers are desperate, hoping it's over seventy. I remember, uh, seventy-five was a foregone conclusion, massively, and the fact that uh, I think the final vote was something like seventy thirty in favour of staying in. So that's why perhaps the turnout was a bit lower because it just simply right. was just so obviously going to be a win. People um, for the, the then. I inside. still think it will be interesting though. It's summer. I mean, with, there's a lot of media focus on it, but still, a lot of people. Even last night's debate, they might not have seen that debate. Croatia's Spain was on, wasn't it? The other side. So yeah. Missed so let's see whether or not turnout does mm. does actually turn out. Um, mm. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Don't forget also that the Leavers are convinced that if turnout is really high, if it goes over eighty, they're in clover because all they're the people. In what? Clover. What all does that mean? Graham, can you explain I know, to this boy? Is terrible, isn't it? What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> anyway, I'll fill you in later. Footnote. Is that like an Irish saying? Footnote. Anyway, the most important thing is they'll be happy. That's You're what it means. Place. Because any, th- any turnout higher than 80%, the leavers say, means that they're working class voters or non-voters who don't normally really come to the polls will turn out in numbers. And anything over 80% and they're remainers. I mean, they're leavers. We are honoured now to be joined by uh, the political editor of the German edition of Huffington Post, Jürgen Klockner. Hello, Jürgen. How are you? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you very much for joining us. And we're going to get from you a little bit of perspective of how this EU referendum is being seen on the continent. You are now representing all of Europe, if that's okay. Okay, I will try. (laughs) So what's what's the German take on this? Are they seeing this as something that's serious? Are you guys seeing it as something which is just the sort of the right wing of England or or the United Kingdom rather sort of kicking up a fuss? What's the take on it? So actually there are two point of views, yes. Um, Like the economic uh, consequences are concerned not to be that um, like harsh for Europe, but from a political perspective, it seemed to be really worse. Um, because um, we are afraid of having some uh, drifts towards the right movement, not only in Germany, but also in other countries where you see the Front National in in France or um, the AfD, the Alternative for Germany, um, who is also kind of against the European Union. So um, we need the UK to be in the European Union. So, th- so there's a fear very much then of, of contagion, as, as it's been called here, that if the UK goes, then it could sort of bring other countries to the... Th- that they might want to leave as well. Actually, yes. Yeah, the fear is there that the uh, European Union will uh, tear apart and um, will break apart. And um, we don't really know what will happen. We don't know if it, this will happen or not. Everything will stay probably stronger because, um, because we can do more integration. Um, 
But the UK is a really important partner for many countries in the European Union. For example, the Germans needed to to make the progress in political perspectives or um, uh, like if Germany gets too strong, um, we need the UK to make Germany a bit weaker. If uh, <laughs> France gets too um, socialist, we need the UK to make the European Union a bit more liberal. So um, that's really important to have the UK in the European One Union. One of the things that's often talked about by Brexit in this country is Angela Merkel and her decision last year to effectively give an open invitation to many refugees and migrants who were coming in from the Middle East and, and North Africa. What's, what was the reaction when she made that announcement in Germany? Did that fuel the sort of right, far-right parties there? So first, the reaction was quite positive. We had the Willkommenskultur, the welcome culture in Germany. Like you saw all these pictures from the Munich um, Central Station, for example, where they um, welcomed the people, helped them and so on. But... Um, after a while, the um, alternative for Germany, again, they got stronger, stronger, stronger because there was some frustration and um, fears, anger in the German society um, about migrants, actually. Like we saw um, refugee camps burning. Um, we saw the, the polls of the alternative for Germany rising. They won some elections. And um, at the same time, Merkel's polls got uh, weakened. So... Um, I think it's kind of the same you see here about this topic. Do you, do you think, Jürgen, that looking from the outside, that the British debate about Europe seems strange to you? Or do you, or do you recognise some elements of it? I mean, are, are we completely bonkers the way we talk about Europe, as Brussels is the enemy, as, you know, the rest of the European Union is the enemy? I never thought that this could happen, that the Brexit um, movement will be so strong. So actually, yes, it's kind of, so to say, uh, surprising, strange. Um, like, as I understood in the parliament, um, the majority is against the Brexit, right? Yeah. In your parliament. Yeah. But, um, like, in the, popul uh, in the society, it's a different story. So the, the referendum brings... Uh, interesting point of view on the debate and i think it's dri driving it to uh, to to shape the european union in a in a way which suits the people more well yeah as soon as we've got you here we're gonna um you're gonna take part in our quiz this week we have a weekly quiz it's, fa it's famous in this country yeah. my quizzes they're so Pe good people in pubs talk about it on a, <laughs> yeah, on yeah. a friday night about the, did uh, you hear the quiz? this quiz is called um there's been a lot of there's been a lot of things thrown around in this referendum campaign a lot of facts about the eu i just want to make sure you guys have been paying attention really so i've got some questions about the european union here does it uh, involve euro 2016 uh, it quiz? doesn't oh uh the quiz is called if you don't know me by now if okay you if you okay reference to simply red yeah, Mick yeah, yeah, yeah. he got involved at one stage in the EU referendum didn't yeah. he? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. big yeah, remainer that was deliberate um so <laughs> uh graham let's start with you go on the five presidents I do not know them. <laughs> okay. I do not know them. Name me one. I'm, I'm, Name, we're going to go around the table. No. Name me one of the five presidents. I can't. You can't, can't. name a single no. one. That's impressive. That's embarrassing. Okay, Jürgen, can you name me one of the five presidents and make up the five presidents report? Uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> this is great go radio. On, is it Martin Schulz? Yeah, Very yeah, good. Schultz, yeah. well He's got the German. The European He's got the German. I at least know the German guy. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, can you Mario name Mario Draghi? Yeah, and what's his role? Uh, ECB. Yeah, Chief. ECB president. Graham, back to you. 
Yeah, I'll be passing it round. Yeah, 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 um, is um, Fernando? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he's not in it. You're he's idiot. not in it. He was in. The, he was in the last one, no, wasn't he? I don't know what you're sure, talking about. Sure, sure. Jürgen, I check like in poker. I check. Yeah. You check. Okay, go on, pull. It's Junker. Does yeah, Junker class as one of those? Yeah. Oh, he cl- oh, he counts. Yeah. It, yeah. Put your phone away, Graham. The he's not, he's not Googling. There's two more. There's two more. Come on. Can anyone get the last two? Go on, Owen, help Donald us. Tusk. Right. And uh, Jerome Dizzlebloom. That's the one that no one gets. Yeah, I what, what does he do? He's, he's Come on, the I Eurogroup confess. president. Of what? The Eurogroup. <laughs> what? Next. Right, moving on, because we've, yeah. we've got to get going. Get what straight. is the UK's net contribution per week? The European Union, according to the ONS, well, it's not 350 million. It's not 350 million. Right I think there. it's is it because instead of 21, it's 10. Using Gove's own figures, Ooh, okay, clever. He said it admitted it wasn't a gross figure of 20. Well, it was a gross figure of 21 billion, but a net figure of 10. So I'd say it's less than half. I would say around 210. Oh, Graham, million a week. I. Didn't they admit You're it? literally stroking your beard. Yeah, I thought they admitted it was something like 100 million. Like okay. Jürgen, you would, not that you would know this, but you any idea? 50 million probably. It's 190 million a week, so Paul was not far off. Which country currently has the presidency of the European Council? Holland, isn't it? It is Holland. Well, Netherlands. Well done, yeah. That's well done, Paul. Okay, this is one for everyone here. How many MEPs are there in total? Ooh. Silence. Ooh. Dead air. What Come on, Graham. Surely about, about 500, I'd say. Paul saying 500. Jürgen, what do you reckon? 600, 700. 600, 700. Graham? Yeah. Yeah, it's not an answer. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's Come good. On. That's 7, 800. 750 won. So you were just, you were just about there. How many of them come from the UK? Graham, I've got, oh. I've got to rush you. About three in each region, oh. 10 regions. About 80. But 73. <laughs> what are you talking about, you idiot? How, How many are you, Kip? Oh, that's a really good one. Out of our 70, what? Out of our 73. 73. How many are you, Kip? There's two answers. They won the election. No, don't go feeling one by one. They Nuttall. won the election. They came first. So I'd say... Uh, uh, Coburn. Yeah. This is like a great escape or something, isn't it? 25. <laughs> James Garner. There was 24. 24 elected, but then two have now left. One defected the Tories so and one's the Whitman. We've got 22 now. How many German MEPs are there, Jürgen? Um, 100. Oh, 96. That's not That's bad. Good. It was 99 until 2014. And what, uh, who's the largest party? Who's the largest German party? in So Yeah, the Christian Democratic Union and the Christian Social Union, apparently, with 34 MEPs. So there we are. And finally, <laughs> this is... All right, is everyone enjoying this? Come yeah, on, finally. Yeah. Finally, what I was... Like it when it was either <laughs> yeah. What was, uh, according to the latest figures, the EU-only net migration figure? Into the UK? Yeah. So you, so 330 is net migration. What is that just for the EU? It's less than half, isn't it? So it's 100 and, yeah, 110,000? 184,000. Deep it's record high. Right? <laughs> Enjoy that, Jürgen? Yeah? Worth coming away over from uh, Germany for? <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, by the time you're listening to this, you hopefully will have been, you know, made your decision about who you're going to vote for. You might have already voted, and we'll probably do another podcast on Friday to uh, dissect and discuss either Brexit or Bremen. So, and next week, Graham's going to Germany to do their podcast in Germany. Yeah.
It's an exchange program yeah, that was yeah. literally just announced now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's goodbye in German? What's goodbye <laughs> in German? Just saying. Ciao or tschüss. There we go. Ciao or tschüss. Thank you. Uh, See you later. Uh, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.